Hello everybody and welcome to Bookcast episode number 119. Um, today I'm joined simply by Stephen, aka Ninja Catfish. Hi James, how are you James? Pretty good. So this episode is um, pretty much like, because we don't really have a lot of things to talk about in terms of like, say, new releases or anything like that, so just to make sure that we put one out, because we did miss one last week, last fortnight, sorry, um, we decided just to do one to recap the news and, you know, just keep things going, keep the wheels turning. Um, so it's pretty much sure going to be like a shorter than usual episode, but it's just going to be full of news and interesting discussion and penetrating insight from both of us. It's <laughs> um, what you expect. Yeah. Um, so to start off with, um, we've definitely picked the most exciting thing for to start off with. Um, the pretty, I, I would say it's probably the uh, the most used engine for indie games, maybe second most. Uh, yeah, I think it's probably the, you know, whenever people say they're making a game, it's almost always on a Unity. Yeah, so the Unity engine, which is extremely popular, um, is finally coming to the 3DS platform, but with one, I guess, caveat, is that it will only work on the new 3DS consoles, thanks, because they have greater processing power, um, and what that really, I guess, means is is that, I guess if you're making like a lot of the games and stuff you find on Kickstarter and stuff, a lot of them are made in Unity, and I... I'm guessing this ma- if it, the Unity engine can run on the 3DS, that makes it easier for them to move it over, or is it still pretty hard because the 3DS is a weird system? I imagine, like, I don't have any first-hand experience, but I'm guessing that this just means they'll be able to... They'll have to fool around with, you know, making probably different models and different graphic settings and stuff so that it won't run like a dog on the new 3DS, but, you know, it'll mean at least, you know, if they were going to do a 3DS game otherwise, they probably would have had to make it from scratch in a different engine if they wanted to so mm. yeah it's it's going to be a bit easier it's questionable whether being limited to just the new 3ds i wonder if people will bother but you know if they do that'll be nice i think the 3ds the new 3ds has sold reasonably well i can't remember if, it, if they actually properly announced it um but i guess it's better than nothing um yeah yeah that's right yeah um, so yeah, that's the thing that's happening, and I guess it's, it feels like it's been a while since, you know, almost every other console or system or whatever seems to be able to run it, so, always good. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's been a thing that you hear a lot of developers and a lot of people just say, you know, we can't support the 3DS because, you know, can't run Unity, or, you know, it seems to be the reason a lot of games don't come to 3DS, so maybe it could change that. Yeah. Maybe. Um, so, on top of that, um... One of, I guess this is one of the bigger games, I think, to hit Kickstarter. Um, it's Mighty Number no. 9, which is basically, I guess it's Mega Man as close as possible to Mega Man without being copyright. Mega Man? Yeah, without infringing Capcom <laughs> copyright law. Um, it's developed by, I think, a mix of teams. I think it's Inti Creates, who were the guys who actually developed the last Mega Man game. Um, and yeah, they did all the like the ZX and Zero games, didn't they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did nine. That the one they put out on Xbox and PlayStation that was like old school. Okay, yeah, you might be right. I'm not sure, but yeah. you might be. Um, so that's being it's being worked on like by that developer, and I think it's under supervision of um Keiji Inafuni, who's the guy who did, you know, he really I think he created, it's pretty much the Mega Man guy. Yeah, he like created Mega Man. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. But he had a pretty big hand in its um, inception at Capcom back in the day. Um, This is a game, I think, that I haven't been following it too much, um, but I do know that its Kickstarter campaign has been kind of mired with controversy. Um, I think that they kind of asked for money, said, yeah, we can't... And then, like, a few months later or a few years later, they were like, yeah, we kind of need more money. 
Is that have you been following it at all, Stephen? Mm. Or? That's I haven't been following it in detail, but that's sort of the picture I've got as well. Yeah. They sort of you know they got the initial funding and then realised, oops, this is going to cost a hell of a lot more than we thought. And I, I think they ran a second drive or something. Yeah, something like I'm not that. Not sure exactly how they did like, that. Oh. And then like there was an uproar, and I'm sure it was annoying, <laughs> but um, it's kind of cool to see these all these Kickstarter games and stuff like kind of coming out. Um, mm. Like you know, even this week, Project Cars is coming out, not on Wii U. But, um, like, in stores, and that started off as a Kickstarter. I just find that so weird that it's actually yeah. happening. Um, yeah, and it's pretty cool. And it's interesting to see a lot of Kickstarters. We'll talk about a specific one later. But, like, you can see it a lot of the game-specific Kickstarters now. They'll have a very specific plan of exactly where the money's going to be spent. And I think that might be in response to what happened with Mighty Number no. 9 because they didn't plan it, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and they kind a, of came as well out as with these random things like, oh, we need more for voice work or something. Like, and mm. that was just, you know, not as transparent, I guess, as you yeah. Um But it's still more transparent than, say, like, you know, a AAA game. But I guess you're not paying to get yeah. paid, though. So maybe that's different. Um, Kickstarter's fun. On top of, like, the actual game getting an announcement, which is, is that it's coming, I think, out in September. Um, September 18th. Yeah. Um, it's also getting a retail release. So I think that previously it was possibly digital only, like at the very early days. And it's kind of crazy to think that it's going to be coming out on every single console mm. sometime in September here, assumedly. Um, I guess it's just going to be so weird to walk into a shop and see, oh, there's Mighty Number no. 9 on Wii U and Xbox One and everything. Yeah, it's just on shelves. Yeah, I would never have imagined that. On disc. Yeah. <laughs> Not just a <laughs> shitty download code, like inside a plastic case. Yeah, Legit. we're looking at your chart of okay, light. on disc. And if you purchase it on disc, you'll get extra, I think, a few extra stages, um, a few extra boss battles, um, even extra playable characters, so I guess that's pretty cool. Um, if you don't want to buy it on disc, you have to just, you can get that DLC for free, I'm pretty sure, if you were a backer. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see how it turns out. I've, I don't know, I've heard people say it kind of doesn't look that great from what they've seen, but, I mean... Yeah, I've, I've been hearing that general sentiment. I've, like, once again, not really been paying attention. I kind of want to go into it as blind as I yeah, can. Yeah, me too. I have like, not I hate, been hearing great things. Yeah, kind of creating an opinion before even you even get to play it. Um, mm. But, I mean, I'm having heaps of fun with Asia Striker Gun Vault, and I don't know if that's... Um, I don't know if it's the same developer, but I think KG Infinity designed that. I'm too. pretty sure Inti Creates is part of that as well. Yeah, so I'm kind of hoping this will be great. But yeah, interesting to see. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Mega Man, like, in the first place, so this possibly isn't even the game a game for me, but, you know, it will still be interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, moving on, uh, Nintendo Australia have also announced that Fossil Fighters Frontier, which is, the I think, the third game in the Fossil Fighters franchise, um, not a huge franchise here. Uh, but more so... Is it a huge franchise in other places? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is in Japan, I would say. Okay. Could be wrong. I I honestly just thought it was like some, you know, thrown together hack job for the launch of the 3DS, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, nah, I don't think... I think it's been out for longer than... I don't know. I don't don't know. Clearly I'm uninformed. Um, But Nintendo Australia have announced they're bringing it here because I think dinosaurs are pretty in this year. Dinosaurs should always be in. They're great. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's kind of weird. Like, I feel like vampires were a huge thing in the last two years, and now they've kind of died down. And now we've got superheroes and dinosaurs, so- thanks to Jurassic Park, <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's the 90s all over again. <laughs> um, so in Australia and New Zealand, you'll be able to pick up Fossil Friday's Frontier on May 30th, so the same day as um, Splatoon. 
Um, it's basically, I think you basically collect fossils, you kind of develop them into dinosaurs, and then you can use the dinosaurs um, to take part in turn-based combat. So it's pretty much Pokemon with dinosaurs. Um, that, that sounds kind of great. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's super colourful. Um, there's, a, there's a co-op mode that um, lets you play you know, online together. Um, through leaderboards or against each other, I guess, with battles as well. So I'm, I think this is one... This will be my first Fossil Fighters game. I'm probably going to give it a go. I never played the last one, I don't think. Maybe I did. Yeah. I don't know. I can't you remember. just play so much, clearly. Yeah. Um, but I'm interested to see how this one goes. Because I think this came out in America pretty a while ago. So I think it's just one of those games that Nintendo delayed for a few months for no reason. Oh, they sure do that a lot recently. Yeah, they really do. But yeah, I'm interested to see how it turns out. Um, I don't even know who develops it. Like, I'm sure it's not Nintendo. I feel like it's one of those games they pass off to another developer. But mm. we'll still be interesting to see, so... For sure, yes. yes. Who can complain about dinosaurs that you I mean, no. If you do, then that's not okay. You shouldn't do that. Dinosaurs, dinosaurs are, cool. are great. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I like how, the you know, we've regressed to the 90s and become children as well ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, can't wait for Jurassic Park. <laughs> Jurassic World, sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, on top of all that other Nintendo Direct news that you p- probably heard about, there was one that kind of slipped through and wasn't reported on the site, but I thought that I would love to talk about it anyway, because um, I'm a little bit biased. Because um, you're James. Yep, in the last Nintendo Direct that uh, Nintendo did, they basically announced that Project Zero Five. Um, which I think has a really weird name officially. It's called, like, Oracle of the Sodden Raven Girl or something. Very um, English translation kind of title. Yeah. Um, we'll be coming to Wii U um, probably at later this year, so that's kind of exciting because I don't know about you guys, but Project Zero is, like, one of my favourite horror series ever. It's really, really creepy. Um, the fourth game never actually made it out of Japan. Um you can actually, you can play it, like, with the translation patch and stuff, but it's still quite buggy. I think that, yeah, they just never really bothered to localise it properly, but the translation's quite good. So it's basically, players this kind of naive Japanese schoolgirl who um, is, like, defenceless and has a camera that can be used to absorb ghosts. So it's a really, really weird kind of... It's, it is, like, very Japanese. Like, the costumes are kind of a bit embarrassing, um, <laughs> if you know what I mean. You just push past these things to get to a good game sometimes. Yeah, you kind of do. Um, the gamepad itself is being used like kind of as the camera, so it lets you, you know, you can lift it up and you can see through the camera's lens as if you were looking through it um, with the Wii U gamepad. No AR stuff, thankfully, because I don't really like yeah. AR. I feel like it's not really that immersive, you know. I feel like it was a fad that it shouldn't have started. Yeah. It was a fun experiment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and this one in particular is about this girl, a girl who is basically like a ghost hunter, like people kind of hire her to go into these haunted places and put these spirits to rest. So it's apparently because call? of that, the way that that is, it's more of like a mission-based kind of structure rather than, you know, a full-on open kind of game like, say, the old ones or the old Resident Evil games and stuff. Um, okay. So I guess it lets you play it in more bite-sized pieces. Um so it's coming to the West, which is really nice. I'm really glad Nintendo put the effort in. It's not like the Wii U, you know, should be knocking back any games, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, it does seem, yeah, it doesn't seem like the most obvious candidate to come out in the West because it's probably a fairly niche sort of title yeah. that not a lot of people are going to get. And it's one of those games, get, but... like, those weird 
third-party mature games that they picked up. Like, even Bayonetta, just, you know, you would never expect it to be Nintendo owned. Yeah. But I kind of feel like Nintendo must have some agreement or something with this series, because the last three games have been on Nintendo consoles only. When previously the first three were, you know, PS2 and Xbox. Nintendo are single-handedly saving Japanese development. Yes. A hundred percent. I haven't actually heard anything out of Japan of people playing import copies of this, because, you know, it's been out for a while. I do think that... I think I've heard people say it's not the best game, but it's, you know, pretty much on par with the others. Um, so I'm really excited to get my hands on it later on in the year, which would be cool. Cool. I would love Nintendo to put it out in October, but... You know, oh, for like Halloween so or something, but it would be so busy, mm. like they'd probably be sending it to die. Not well, I mean, they didn't. Where's it gonna go anyway? I was gonna say, not that they were gonna do that anyway with Bayonetta. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty exciting too. I can't wait for that. Nintendo Australia recently also confirmed that, like, local, I guess, release details for Splatoon, uh, which is you know their kind of ink-based shooter. Um, I don't think there is any other game called that is also an ink-based shooter. There's an IBS. Oh, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> no, that does not sound good at all. That is... No. Let's find a new acronym for ink-based shooter. Yeah. Nintendo Australia have basically confirmed that the game itself will be launching on the 30th of May, so alongside Fossil Fighters. Um, it is also going to be launching uh, in a bundle with the Wii U in Australia. I don't know if it's happening anywhere else. Um, maybe it is. I can't remember. Um, but it's basically, you know, you get a physical copy of the game, um, the Wii U, the black Wii U premium pack, and that's together in a fancy, colourful box for three fifty nine ninety five. So, that's what, like, 50 bucks cheaper? Yeah, it's, I mean, if you want Splatoon and you don't have a Wii U, it's probably the best way to do it. Yeah, so, like, and yeah, so you're getting, like, an $80 game plus, um, you know, the console, um, <laughs> for a pretty good price. Um, so there's never been, I think this is really, I find this really bizarre, like, why, is it, is it a price drop, or is it, like, just them trying to be competitive with, um, Splatoon, or? I don't know, I guess maybe it's, you know, this is a game that they're hoping is going to be fairly important to them in the future, and might drive sales if people see a fun, colourful game with a Wii U, maybe? I don't know. Even, like, I mean, I don't know if you've been into an EB store recently or anything like that, but even seeing the Splatoon marketing up, it's so much more colourful and more vibrant than yeah. the marketing for, like, Batman, which is, like, super dark. It's so um, nice. Yeah, and, like, it's kind of cool to see it all there. Um, one one thing I really wish they did, and I'm sure a lot of people have already said this, but why is it a black console for a game about everything being so colourful? Yeah, like, it's like, kind of, I guess, it, yeah, it's kind of lazy, like, they could have you know, splashed it. I mean, I'm sure it's just a way to, you know, repackage consoles that they've already had or something like that. But man, it would be nice if it was just a, you know, one that was splotched with different colors or even just a bright color. It would be so nice. Yeah. We can dream. Yeah. Nintendo's kind of dropped the ball with hardware, like in regards to that. Like they've put a lot of attention onto the 3DS, but Wii U, I feel like they could probably do a cool, a few cool um, consoles and it would still do quite well. Yeah, I mean, all they really did was that Zelda one, and I wasn't a huge fan of that. Yeah, I, I, the one, it was, just, it wasn't the same thing. Just the gamepad had like a, um, had like the gold, like not etching, but like, like silk screened on it, I guess. Yeah, they definitely need to lift the game. <laughs> like this could have been a really cool looking, like you know, just splattered. Like even if they did it randomly, like you know, they did a small amount of them because apparently this is limited anyway. 
Um, like to the so each one is unique. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they splatter it differently. Um, it would have been really cool, but no, we just get a black Wii U. So yeah. Um, oh well, at least you get Splatoon cheap. Yeah, you get it for pretty cheap anyway. So Splatoon and the Splatoon bundle and the Splatoon Amiibo will all be launching on May 30th in Australia. It's a Saturday as per usual for Nintendo, so you'd have to. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a busy day. Are you getting the Splatoon Amiibo? Am I? Of course I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so torn. They look really nice, but. It just feels bad to see that price tag of $50 on Amiibo. It makes me second-guess my choices in life. I know. <laughs> oh, why? That's I don't like, know. you Amiibo. saved $2. I'm so torn. <laughs> I think you saved $2. Oh, why don't I just go make a pre-order now? Yeah, you so should. No, I don't I don't think there'll be spares, but who knows. I don't know. Nintendo's been really weird with Amiibos lately. But yeah, Splatoon is a thing, and it's coming May 30th. Get excited. This, what you, I, I heard the soundtrack kind of recently. It's like a Sonic Reject soundtrack. It's very weird. I'm all in for that. I haven't heard it, but let me. I'm gonna have to listen to that after the show. Yeah, I think you'll like it. It's very Sonicy. Some I find it Sonicy. I don't know that anyone believes agrees with me, but yeah. So, um, on to that kind of covers our kind of I'd like to say like updates um, on stuff that we already kind of knew about. Um, we'll move on to the eShop stuff and to start us off we'll go with um, Club Nintendo in Australia have started offering digital rewards for your points so um, basically the way that works is is like you know you same as always I guess like you use your stars to exchange for um, downloadable codes for your 3DS or your Wii U um, I think it's pretty reasonable I, could, I haven't actually looked at it I'm checking it as we speak um, so 660 stars <laughs> will get you like a say a virtual console 3DS game um, it's all virtual console, hey? Yeah. Oh, there's some, like, eShop Wii U games, and, like, there's that Google Street Tour stuff that they had, like, where it was a tour through a tourist destination, but on your Wii U. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a couple of weird things like that, but it's 90% of it's virtual console. Yeah, like the Chibi Robo game, I just noticed that one that we were talking about a very long time ago. Um mm. But yeah, so you can basically exchange your stars for codes and then, you know, just like, you basically get a free, I guess, virtual console game or eShop title. Um, pretty cool. I think it's cooler than, say, you know, a deck of playing cards or Mario face towels or... I still use my Mario face towels every day to wash my face. Do you really? <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I don't think I have any. I think it's... I only have all the, like, the super limited stuff that I've ever bought. Like, I got the Luigi's Mansion um, diorama thing, the Super Nintendo Classic Controllers. Um, I just ordered that Majora's Mask lamp thing. So, but I think I might. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I think that the, the whole entire system is discontinuing in September. So I think I might use some of my things for... Some virtual console games that I've missed out on, or something. Are you going to? I mean, surely there's not much else they could bring. Well, that's the thing. And then there's Majora's Mask lamp comes out of nowhere, and I'm kind of scared to use any more <laughs> things just in case. You know, mm. I'd probably use them. I've, I've been looking at what I can afford with my points, and there's nothing that I don't really already have that I want. Yeah, I'm sure I'll just I'll find something to spend the points on because you know anything's better than nothing. But yeah, yeah I'm. I have a first world problem of already having all the games. I'll probably buy like the um the Mario Kart DLC because I haven't actually bought that yet. Um, the Zelda one. Really? Yeah. 
You, anyone who has listened to the podcast for like the past six months or whatever, should know I don't really like Mario Kart that much. Yeah, but 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 James is so good. <laughs> okay, I do want I do want to give it <laughs> give the DLC a go. Like I still own Mario Kart; it's still in my collection for when friends come over. But I don't know, Smash Bros. takes all my time for multiplayer Nintendo fun. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. Um. So moving on to. More eShop stuff. Uh, Sega have announced that... I'm pretty sure they did a... I think it was two waves, or was it three? I'm not sure. Of 3D classics for the uh, Nintendo 3DS, which were basically, you know, going back to their old games for their old consoles, putting them on the 3DS and giving them fancy 3D effects and stuff. I think generally the conversions have been pretty great. Um, Yeah, yeah. Everyone's really in love with how they do it. They sort of... It, they just sort of make Nintendo's Virtual Console stuff look a bit terrible. They Nintendo's, just put so much more like, effort. Like, Nintendo's only put out, like, three games like this, haven't they? Yeah, like, like the more than... 3D classics, like Kirby's Adventure and... Oh, what was that terrible NES Urban game that Champions, nobody wanted? I think. Yes. Um, like, why would they bother? I know. And then, I know there was a Kitty Christmas which was given away for free. And I think that was... Oh, that's I'm right. sure there's more, but there was not a lot. Excite Bike. Oh, there's Excite Bike as well. Yeah. Um, I find it really weird. Nintendo started this, and then they've kind of left it, and now Sega's really kind of going at it. Um, but they must have really done well previously. Hmm. Um. So, but the first games to get the I'm treatment, really happy with um, the ones that they've announced. Yeah, I think these are the first Sega Mega Drive games to come out because I don't think previously. I think it was just the old like Sega before that. I could be wrong. Um, no, the the last last wave had um, Sonic, like the first Mega Drive Sonic 3D. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it had a few others, but yeah, I'm not remembering all of them. So the first games to get the treatment for the 3D Classics treatment will be Sonic the Hedgehogs 2. Hedgehogs. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. <laughs> <laughs> Streets of Rage 2 and Gunstar Heroes, which is pretty pop. Gunstar Heroes is pretty big. Um, yeah, it's sort of gotten fairly popular in the last, you know, couple of years. A lot of people have yeah. realised that it's kind of fantastic. It's a treasure game, hey. I'm pretty sure. It's, I think so. Yeah. yeah. One of those, all those treasure games, they just go freaking ape shit on eBay until mm. someone does a digital <laughs> release, like Ikaruga as well. Um, yeah. So each game will be around six dollars fifty US. Um, I don't know how much that usually converts to here. I don't, Stephen, have you bought any? I do. Oh, it was a very long time ago, but I'm pretty sure it was no more than like eight dollars or something. It wasn't much. So, um, as you can imagine, like these games feature fully remastered uh, graphics in 3D, new control options, as well as other new features, kind of that you know let you say change your inputs or whatever. Um, and really, really nice 3D settings. Yeah, it's really, really like they kind of, and it must be so hard, like when you think about it, to go back into these old games, cut it all up kind of place things on different planes and stuff. Mm, they'd have to, like, not start it completely from scratch, but they'd have to do a lot more than just chuck it in an emulator. Yeah. It's kind of hard to... Th- yeah, it's... It, I don't know how they do it. I think it's it's an external company name. I think it's M2. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is M2. The same people that do the GBA ports or the Virtual Console GBA on Wii U. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited to see what they, like, do... They do keep doing these. Um, I really wish Nintendo would jump on with this as well, but I don't think they're going to. Even if they like sourced it out to somebody else, like M2, um, and get them to like say yeah. do one for Yoshi's Island or Donkey Kong. Can you imagine Donkey Kong Country, like the first one ever oh, in man. 3D or something, or even 
maybe advanced. And it did still look good on the 3DS screen. Like some people say it doesn't look great on a TV, but it still look amazing on a 3DS, I think. Yeah, I'd love them to do Donkey Kong or something. Or even, they should do Plock. Plock is amazing. <laughs> um, we need Daniel to tell you how much, how great Plock is. Plock, yeah. I don't think they, I think that company's dead now, but oh well. Um, I found this really bad GeoCities <laughs> website that was like, had a petition to get Plock on 64. Very old. <laughs> those, those poor people wow. are still holding out hope for Plock 64. Um, so, um, in the past few weeks, um, Nintendo basically announced that they will be doing the, the second like wave, I guess, of Mario Kart downloadable content. We'll be coming to the eShop, and it did. Um, it's basically sure did. the Animal Crossing-themed pack, I think. Is that correct? Yeah, I guess that's the... Biggest thing, it's got the villagers and Isabel, um, Isabel yep. and Dry Bowser for some reason. Randomly thrown in for like, <laughs> oh, let's make it better, even though it's not really. Um, so basically the pack adds eight new courses, three new characters, and four new vehicles. And it's um, obviously included with that season pass if you guys bought it earlier. Um, and it, I think the, it, the new tracks themselves, there's not... There's a mix of... There's two like cups, hey? Remade. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's um, two cups. There's an Animal Crossing cup, which is um, four... Yeah, it's four Animal Crossing tracks and four classic tracks, yeah? Uh, no, it's just um, just one Animal Crossing track. Oh, right. Wow. Um, all, all the rest are, like, back from old consoles or, like, Big Blue is obviously inspired by F-Zero but not taken from any, and then the other two are completely new. Oh, wow. They're not even hiding the fact that they're kind of making it into F-Zero. Kind of. No. Yeah. And it totally uh, is. <laughs> and then Baby Park, which is probably the most fun track from Double Dash that I absolutely loved it. Um, I'm kind of surprised to see they brought it back. Uh, Cheese Land from Game Boy Advance. I don't know what that is. Uh, Cooper City from 3DS and Ribbon Road from Game Boy Advance as well. Oh, Ribbon Road looks so good. Like it's it's a bit different to how it was on the GBA, a like slightly different layout and stuff to make sense with how Mario Kart Eight works. But man, that game that track looks amazing. They can probably do more now as well, so that's why they did, you know. Yeah. Um. And then, of course, the big thing is also there's a free update which introduces 200 CC mode, um, which basically is this is really me showing how much I don't know about Mario Kart, <laughs> but my, mainly it makes it faster. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's really, really fast, yeah. and I, I've played a fair bit of it, and I'm not sure how much I like it. Like it's, it's different. It makes Mario Kart into a much more serious game. I guess you can't be, you, know, you have to be on the ball at all times and know when to break and stuff. It can like dramatically change the way you play some tracks, like because you've got the momentum to you know kind of make crazier jumps and stuff. Oh, totally, yeah, like you can just, yeah, if you go on a jump, you might skip, you know, completely past the track that you would normally land on in 150, or, you know, or you might be able to skip past it and land on a completely, you know, much faster area, or like a shortcut or something like that, it's it's crazy, but, but then do you, yeah, do I, you, I'm still torn about it. Do you find it. that it breaks the game? Like, have they, have they kind of basically gone, oh yeah, let's just adjust it and throw it out there, but, or do you think they've actually put in effort and kind of made sure that it's still reasonably balanced that's the thing like i i'm i don't know that they really did it seems like a lo- some of the tracks work well like the really wide tracks that give you a lot of room to move like excite bike um arena and a couple of others they're they're still pretty good because you know you're not gonna 
fall off the track on that level yeah. so much. But on tracks where you, you know, normally would be slipping or sliding everywhere and there's reasonably sharp corners, I'm sure it is possible with a lot of tra- a lot of practice and maybe I'm just still in the habits of trying to slide and not break. But man, I, I'm, I'm not sure about some of the tracks in 200cc. It's, it's going to take a bit for me to get used to. Yeah. Still kind of cool they did it for free, I guess. But then again... Oh I guess yeah, totally. Can't complain. Kind of didn't really require much work if they've literally just kind of put up a slider or whatever. One thing I will say is it makes light characters much, much more viable. Like, instead of, you know, the heavies used to kind of have an advantage, I feel, and now they're, you know, they're almost impossible to get to the end of the track without falling off the side and losing a whole heap of speed. Mm. So, yeah, light ones are way more better now. May way more better. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> and then finally, to close off our eShop news, um, the I think this is actually out in Australia now as well. Is it? I, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. been playing around with it. Um, the Amiibo Touch and Play app is now available for Wii U. Uh, for people who don't know, Touch and Play is basically an app you open up and you chuck your, like, I think, you know, you pick an Amiibo, put it on your gamepad, you get to play a short selection of a Nintendo classic, I guess. So, um, I don't know which games are included straight away. Um, I don't even know like- how it works because I haven't done it. But it's really weird. Like you, you grab an amiibo off the shelf or wherever you keep your amiibo, you tap it on there and it will unlock a certain game. And that game will be from that point forward locked to that amiibo. And then each time you tap that amiibo, you get to one of 10 scenes from that game. And you can sort of just tap it again to go to the next scene and you can just sort of work through them that way. And each one's got, I think a two or three minute time limit. It might be different depending on your scene. Um, but yeah, it, it's really really weird i i don't quite understand very why bizarre they did this. like i don't get the purpose like is it meant to are people meant to be like oh yeah i love that i'll go buy that now or i think that's the idea but I, I i don't really i think i saw someone speed ran one of the demos and finished it like <laughs> it's actually a full game in there um, like it's kind of cool. I played most of the way through the Kirby Superstar one, and it because that that game's made up of a whole bunch of smaller, you know, different game types, and it does give you a a good sampling of pretty much everything the game has to offer. But which amiibo know, is this, is that game tied to? Any like it literally when you tap an amiibo, it unlocks a random one that's permanently locked to that amiibo. So I think my I'm pretty sure my little Mac unlocks Kirby's oh, I'm Kirby Superstar. That's unfortunate. And yeah, it's just all over the place. Why I would guess... they do it that way? You would think that. I guess. I mean, I know. I know everyone. Not everyone has a game that's you know in this. I guess if people want to play, you know, no one would be able to play Punch Out if it was linked to Little Mac. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true too. <laughs> <laughs> fire, any Fire Emblem game ever? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I. I mean, I'm not. As you can probably tell, I'm not rushing out to get this, but I will probably give it a go and you know, kind of find more use for my. How many do I have now? Like 40 Amiibos? Yeah, to me it seems like just a a way to justify or to give extra value to an Amiibo that you already have. Like it, you, know, you have that shelf sitting there full of Amiibo that you don't do much with if you're not playing, if, if you're not training them in Smash or stuff. It's just an extra thing you can do with them, I guess. Yeah. Do you um have, do you find that... So is there going to be one for each Amiibo technically? Like, is there 50-something games, or have they not? Oh, no. no. I don't know how many there are in total, but it was definitely not 50. It was probably around about 15 or 20-ish. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting. I guess I want to see... We'll see how... I guess they, they want to keep updating it. Maybe they'll start adding 64 stuff in. Who knows? 
Yeah, um, maybe. Maybe now the infrastructure's there, they can do whatever they want. It does seem really limiting to put a time limit on it, though. Like, as they give you more than enough time to finish the scenes in you know that they present you with, but it still seems like you know, if you want to let you're only giving someone one level, just let them play that level until they finish it. They're not going to you know, oh, I've played that one level, so I'm not going to buy the game. It's it just seems weird to put a time limit on it. Yeah. But oh, well. that is the end of the first half of the episode. So we will go to a quick break. And we'll return to talk about all the brand new, exciting, crazy, over-the-top announcements that were made since our last episode. You're hyping this up. Sorry. And we're back. So, um, the last half of this episode is basically going to be us kind of talking about, somewhat gushing about, and disappointing <laughs> ourselves about all the new announcements that were made in the past few weeks. Um, so, this be an emotional roller coaster. Yes. <laughs> um, a lifetime drama, exclusively for TV. <laughs> um, so, first of all, um, as I'm sure everybody knows now, Toys to Life is an incredibly lucrative, um, I guess, area of games now, so it should come as no surprise that Disney are apparently working on a follow-up to Disney Infinity 2.0. Surprisingly enough, it is called Disney Infinity 3.0. Whoa! Yeah, play without limits. (laughs) Totally. Um, So, um, a Chinese read... Oh, it's either German or Chinese, I'm not sure. (laughs) They're both totally the same. Have revealed that Star Wars Disney Infinity 3.0 is a thing, and it's coming out at some point. Um, the original, the packaging and stuff for the starter pack, which is, if people don't know, is kind of what you need to get started. Um, really? You're just blowing me away with all these facts. All these revelations. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, includes a, a Anakin Skywalker and Ahsoka. I don't know who this is because I have not watched the Clone Wars series, so I apologise to any Star Wars fans who are shaking their heads at me. Um, but there are many, I'm sure. Yeah, so you get two figurines, plus you get your playset. For any people who don't know, the playset is basically, I guess, the missions, what they're locked behind. Um, and yeah, it's kind of, I mean, I kind of find it weird actually because the first two Disney Infinity games came with three figurines. This one just comes with two. Um, mm. And I, as I was talking to you just while we were on break, is I kind of wish they did classic ones, but then I guess you have a good point to counteract that. Yeah, well, I mean, if as I was saying, yeah, if they did classic ones and turned them into Disney Infinity figures, they'd kind of look like Clone Wars anyway, I figure. Yeah, but like... I mean, there's nothing to stop them having classic characters. It looks like they're still going to have, you know, Obi-Wan and Yoda and I suppose if you were going ones. to sell characters separately, like, you would want to sell the ones that people, that are the classic ones. Yeah, they do seem to, in the starter packs, have, like, one character that people like and one that no one really cares about. Yeah. Which is, this is going to sound horrible, but I'm pretty sure that's Black Widow in the Avengers yeah. pack. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they sell... She doesn't even have a movie. They sell, yeah, they sell Groot separately because, you know, the Because <laughs> everyone wants him. Yeah. Wait, what can he even do? Groot? Yeah. He can, like, grow shit 
<laughs> oh, yep. awesome. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Let um, me place my pre-order. Yeah, no, Groot has, ha- has come out and has happened. I don't even know. I know they made um, Jasmine from Aladdin. She can ride her magic carpet and throw sand at people, so <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's kind of combat ready. Um, they find their ways. Uh, I'm interested to see, I guess, how far they go with this. I think the weird thing with Disney is I kind of feel like they are a little bit more... I don't know. No, I don't know if they're better or worse than Skylanders in terms of like how they do their toys and stuff. But I kind of feel like if they're doing this every year, making you need to buy a whole new set. It's kind of a bit scummy. But at the same time, they're such radically different franchises. Like, yeah, like it's it. I guess it's only if they didn't do a new set, then you know we'd still be playing the same Disney Infinity from three years ago or however long ago it was. Like, they have to keep adding stuff to it, I guess. And I don't know, are they adding stuff to it generally, apart from just new franchises? I think, like, um, yeah, I think the second, like, from the first to the second game, you know, they kind of changed the way that it plays. Like, each character was much more unique, and um, there's skill trees and stuff like that. Like, it was actually, there was a progression to it. Okay. And I think they had to kind of do that, because people who were playing the Avengers alum were more likely to be all over the place in terms of ages, whereas the yeah, first true. one was more kind of kiddish. And Star Wars will be like that too. Yeah. So, and I think that this developer—it's the same developer. I think it's Avalanche Software. They're um, pretty much up with this now. I think they've got a good okay. handle on it. Um, so I'm interested to see how it turns out. I probably won't grab it if it's not—if it's just going to be playing through Clone War-based missions. Um, but if they release a classic pack, I'm probably going to be there. <laughs> but I don't know. Toys to Life. Very. I just. It's just so. Yeah, it's a deep hole that you've already like, fallen into. I'm already pushing it with a though. Um, I just feel <laughs> the so, more, so the more different types of toys to life you buy, the you know deeper you dig that hole. Yeah, and I just feel so sorry for parents. Like <laughs> it's awesome time to be a child, but worst time to be a parent with yeah. money for children. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I guess you know, you as a kid, you know that magic. I guess would still be there. And I'm kind of jealous of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so on top of that, Lego. Not Lego. Warner Brothers have announced that they will be doing a Lego Toys to Life game um, called Lego Dimensions. Um, this one is a little bit different, and I think they had to make it a little bit different to kind of compete. Um, their big thing, Warner Brothers' big thing with Lego Dimensions, is that there's no complicated like compatibility charts for these things because you know if you if Lego licenses this kind of IP, they license it for use across whatever. Mm. Um, so you can basically buy a toy for Lego Dimensions and you'll be happy to know that it will work in everything else ever. Um, so if you want, you can have Marty McFly running down the yellow brick road. Um, <laughs> if you really want, you can have Dorothy in, you know, Future World or whatever. Um, or the Riddler hanging around with an orc from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, they're not afraid to, I guess, kind of, yeah, mix them together. So the idea is, um, is you know... It starts off with, I guess, Batman, Gandalf, and the girl from Lego Movie. I still haven't seen that. Um, and they all come in the pack. You get a Lego set that lets you build your own portal. So that's kind of cool, I guess. Um, plus the game, obviously, in the starter pack. This all retails for about $170. Ooh. Yeah. Um, that Yeah, that's going to be a tough sell. I think that... But then how much is a Lego set? I guess it's not a Lego set, though. Well, you make your own portal, I guess. But yeah, Lego stuff in general seems fairly expensive. Because I've seen, I'd... like, Lego Minecraft is, like, 80 bucks. Oh, 
Just that as a concept is so ridiculous, but <laughs> yeah, it's so like confusing and meta. Like, yeah, it makes no sense. Um, so on top of like, so when you buy the game itself, you can also get what they call um, team packs, which basically add you know two new characters and two new vehicles. Level packs, which add new levels to explore, plus a character related to that level and a vehicle. Or a fun pack, which is basically just two characters that you can just chuck into anything and players. Um, so it's a pretty cool, I guess it's a more of a unique way to do it. Like they've, I think their biggest draw is that, you know, you don't have to worry about which game will work with these toys and which toys can I not use in this mode and all that crap, which is what. Yeah. And I think that's sort of like a fundamental thing about Lego is like, you know, when you, as when you're a kid playing around with it, you don't care that the spaceship doesn't actually go underwater with your submarine. They just do. And I guess the game is like that as well. Yeah. Um, Besides Lego's own brands like the Lego Movie and Ninjago, um, Batman, Lord of the Rings, DC Comics um, will also be available. So I think they're doing a Cyborg pack and a Wonder Woman pack with her invisible jet, even though it's not going to be invisible. But <laughs> unless that, that's the. There'll just be a box with nothing in it. <laughs> I was going to say, that's truly <laughs> the worst sell. Is that, yeah, it's just a box of nothing, and they say, yeah, it's her invisible jet. Um, <laughs> Oh, just imagine how confusing it would be if they did Lego Star Wars and it's on the shelf next to Disney Infinity Star Wars. Oh, God. <laughs> Back to the Future and Wizard of Oz. So I, I think that's a really good range of brands that, um, you know, kind of encompass all kind of age groups. Yeah, Wizard of Oz comes out of nowhere. Like, yeah. that's not a Lego thing. That I didn't even think that was a thing that Lego... Like, they've never done any, any Lego with that franchise before, have they? I don't know. That I know of, yeah. But yeah but, no, that's oh, I that's guess cool. so. Is that is, they've done Back to the Future Lego before? I'm assuming because I would have thought Back I to think the Future they was have, random yeah. as inclusion as well. Um, and then have you? Heard, I don't know if anyone has heard the leaks that have just come out recently. Have you heard the leaks? I've not. Oh, apparently they're doing. There, these are rumors. This this part is rumors. Rumors <laughs> and speculation. Yep. Um, they're doing a Simpsons pack, Ooh. and they're doing a Portal pack with a che- with Chell, Shell, Chell. What? Yeah. Huh, okay. Random. Man, that Simpsons Lego is going to catch so many people. Yeah. Um, so like, that's, I, mean, I can imagine there'll be people holding out on this and they'll see the Simpsons and that'll just be the Oh, and Scooby-Doo. The straw. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, like, they're kind of doing <laughs> so, a good mix of, like, modern franchises and old franchises. Um, oh, just driving the Scooby van around, like, Oz <laughs> yeah. would be kind of amazing. Just running down people. GTA. <laughs> in Oz. Um. So, I mean, I probably won't get, try not to, um, you know, get too involved in this and hopefully, um, but it seems for like a pretty cool concept and I like the idea that it's just all these random ass franchises in together that can be used wherever, whenever. Um, hmm. the only thing I guess that we can really talk about, like just before we move on is I kind of worry like this bubble's going to burst with Toys to Life. Like I feel like, you know, parents especially like, you know, they're already buying, Figurines for Disney Infinity, figurines for Skylanders, Amiibos to a certain extent, when people like us aren't buying them. Um, yeah. And now, <laughs> Sorry, children. Lego Dimensions, which is literally launching in September with 20-something different box, like, SKUs that you can get. Like, is this... I'm worried that kind of we're going to start oversaturating this market. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I can see that Lego would be... It's a huge enough sort of franchise or property that... It would make sense to do it. It's, you know, there's lots of little toys already, but yeah, there's, you know, when a kid's, you know, mum and dad's already bought, you know, every Skylander they've ever wanted and now they just want other things. It's 
yeah, it's going to get too much, I think, but then I, if it hasn't already but, for a lot of parents. But then I always think at the same time, like, you know, how many times did we make our parents buy us Pokemon booster cards and then yeah. we amassed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and now... And then my mum sold them for $14 at a garage sale. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. I guess it's just the same thing that we had, just a little bit. Maybe there'll be a lot more kids doing a lot more paper rounds. <laughs> <laughs> just boost the economy. <laughs> yep. Lego is single-handedly boost saving the Australian comedy. Um, so, moving on, um, Project Cross Zone, which was a kind of okay-ish but not amazing strategy RPG game for 3DS, which was, uh, I guess, a collaboration between Namco, Sega, and Capcom, is getting a sequel. Um, really, su- I didn't see that coming, I have to say. I legit am surprised they bothered. Um, mm, not that I hated like- this game, but I thought that, you know, the only th- it was more of a kind of gimmicky fan service romp through all these different worlds that you know and love with all these yeah, characters like I, and stuff, you know? I only ever played the demo, and it was it was fun, but I felt like most of the fun I was having was just, oh, why are all these characters here? This is ridiculous. Like, but oh, I don't Dante's feel like shooting it was... Cosmos. <laughs> like, yeah. <it's laughs> random. This dream come true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Project Crossland 2 is announced, and it's coming to the 3DS later this year. That includes not Japan, so um, the rest of the world. And it's similarly, you know, still a crossover um, between those those three publishers. Um, I've seen a few. I've seen a few characters pop up. I think Leon from Resident Evil 6 is popping up, and, and apparently Strider. Really? Yeah, according to our news article. Um, Chris and Jill, Dante and Virgil. I think that maybe Dante appeared in the last one, but not Virgil. Um, X and Zero, Jin and Kazuya from Tekken, um, Yuri and Flynn from Tales of Vesperia. So poor Estelle got the boot. Is that the same Flynn from Symphonia? Mm. Or are there just lots of Flynns in the Tales games? I think there's lots of Flynns. I don't think it's the same one. Okay. Is Flynn... No, you think of... Who's Floyd? No, not Floyd. Oh, maybe I am thinking of Floyd. Is it Floyd or Lloyd? Are we just mixing them up now? Or maybe... Yeah, I'm just confused. What have we done? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's 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 not a... Like, it was not an amazing... Like, I didn't love it, um, but I'm maybe with a sequel they can kind of fix the problems. Like, it was very samey. Like, you could just mash buttons and mm. you kind of get through the battles, you know? It was, yeah, it was just the sort of a war of attrition. You just keep pushing and pushing until you win. It didn't seem yeah, like there was a lot of Yeah, and the story was not strategy. amazing. It was just a bit weird. Um, but I'm interested to see what they do with the second one. Um, I think that generally sequels are better. <laughs> generally. Yeah, well, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting to see what will happen. Um, we will see. Yeah. Moving on to Monster Hunter Stories, which is really another random announcement. Um, yeah, this came out of nowhere. Yeah, Capcom just put up a trailer like, hey, yeah, this is a game we're doing. Um, it's basically called Monster Hunter Stories. It is a... It is nothing like the Monster Hunter games that you know. It is set in the Monster Hunter world, but it seems to be more of a, like, kind of classic RPG kind of setup. Um, yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah, um, much more, like, colourful, vibrant, cel-shaded, almost, uh, graphics. Um, yeah, I don't really know what the deal is with this. Um, I don't know if this has ever happened before in Japan only or anything, or if... This is the first time they've done something like this. I'm going to say, if it happened, you'd probably be the one to know about it. Like, you're the Monster Hunter guy. Not really. Like, kind of, but not really. More than me. <laughs> yeah. More, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it looks cool. I would. I mean, I'm always more, 
like I, if it's a good RPG that's kind of sold with you know not much filler, I'd be pretty happy to play it. Um, yeah, like you know, it's it's an interesting thing to expand on Monster Hunter more than just you know straight up Monster Hunter style game. The you know those creatures would make cool enemies in a JRPG, and it looks like you can you know catch them all as such or have them on your side. I'm not sure if you recruit them to your side or if you just have that particular monster as part of your crew or something but it, it's kind of cool if you know if you can you know recruit different monsters and use different abilities that could be fun so moving on um i guess i kind of am not surprised by this announcement um i think that you know the idea of you know musical instrument based games rhythm games uh, were kind of they did really well they kind of just hammered them with yearly releases, they died, and now they've been away long enough that everyone wants them back again to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, not us. Or new consoles, you know. The I'm sure there are a few people that wish they could play Guitar Hero on their new consoles. And... It's very weird to think that they were born on the last generation of consoles and they kind of died then too. The yeah. way that you've said that now made me realise that they literally... It has only been one generation of consoles that they've been around for. Their candles surely burned too bright. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, if Activision have announced that Guitar Hero Live is coming out in September, I believe, for Xbox 360, basically everything, um, including Wii U, yeah. um, it's, I guess they've kind of called it, uh, they're marketing as a reinvention of the franchise, um, I have heard a lot of people asking if it's going to be online only, because that's what they think the word live means, um, it isn't. <laughs> Um, it basically, the idea now is, is you're, it's a first person version of Guitar Hero. So what that means is, is you, when you're playing and you know, you've got your strums and stuff heading towards you on the screen, you actually have like a video playing of the crowd that you're playing to. Um, and you see basically what you would see if you were a band member. Hmm. It's a really interesting concept and it's like how they've, you know, actually put you on stage with band members of the songs that you're playing. Is it legit? Like the actual... Band people? I mean, I, I think don't, so. Because this is what or maybe, this is where, or maybe it's just our band. This is what my big question is: is like, where is the, where is all this footage coming from? Like, did they fill a room with hundreds of people, play loud music, and just film them happy, sad? You know, maybe you'll be in this. Maybe they filmed Lady Gaga in Perth. Mm, they, yeah, maybe. Fuck, <laughs> no, they would not. Anyway, I would have known. Anyway, um, so the idea is, you know, you have a live-action view of your crowd. They react to how you're playing and how well you're playing. So, you know, you might be playing shit. The crowd will look visibly disappointed or angry or whatever. So I kind of find it a bit weird because it's real people. Um, I don't know. I just find that a bit creepy. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how smoothly they get it all working. Like if Yeah, that's my big know, question. Like how I don't know if they'll just, like, cut away from the crowd and then you'll look back and they'll hate you suddenly. Uh, and, like, how do they keep yeah. that fresh-looking? Like, mm. if they have just a rolling clip of angry people that you recognise as soon as you move <laughs> over, you know? Um, very weird. Um, so it's being developed by Freestyle Games, who developed DJ Hero, DJ Hero 2, and Sing Party. So it's nice to see them still getting work. Um, mm. It's, yeah, because um, I kind of worry that Activision would just close them down. Um, yeah. <laughs> It has an entirely new Guitar Hero controller, and because of the new way that the game works, because if you look at the screenshots, it looks like they've got a new strum system, um, and you have to use the new controller. You can't use your old guitar or anything like that. Oh, totally, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, that's probably 
I mean, I don't have any Mugatar Hero stuff anyway, but I don't think I'll jump back into this just because I was burnt too much by having too much stuff that sat around for years after the fad kind of died off. I still have my drums. I just kind of hope they'll disappear without me having to throw them out. <laughs> um, just move out. Yeah, just move out and leave them there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, basically, because this is, a, I guess, a brand new reinvention, this means that none of your old downloadable content or anything you've purchased will work either. Um, I find this really bizarre that they've done that, only because, you know, their major competitor, Rock Band 4, which is also coming out this year, is completely backwards compatible. Mm. Um, Although I guess it makes sense because, you know, they're not going to do all this video footage stuff or change the yeah. s- like the strum patterns for all the old songs. But, it yeah, when you compare it directly to Rock Band, which, which is not really doing much different, but it's keeping value of all your old DLC, it kind of feels a bit bad. I think on, by, uh, on the same token, like, you know, at least the Wii U is actually getting Guitar Hero Live, yeah. whereas it's not getting there Rock is Band that. Um, so, um, I guess the big question, I guess, that comes from this now is, will Activision cancel it for Australia before it gets released? Um, <laughs> or will they just not put it in stores and not tell anyone? I think they did it. I think the the last two games they did, uh, I think it was Spider-Man and um, 007 Legends. Both of them were Wii U, um, and they never came out. Activision just said, nah, not releasing them in Australia. <laughs> Can't be bothered. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, for people who are wondering, the, uh, it's kind of a small selection of the track list has already kind of come out um, based on, you know, screenshots and stuff that have been floating around. It's a pretty diverse range, I would say. It's kind of, it's still rockish. Um, yeah, I've been hearing a lot of people describe it as closer to a band hero than guitar hero. It seems like a very, yeah, as you say, um, a wide, including, you know, rather than just, you know, rock and metal, it's well, got a bit no more Taylor pop Swift. and other stuff. Well, I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ed Sheeran and Carrie Underwood are probably the least rocky people on there. But then you've got the tip, the ones that were kind of always on there anyway, like, you know, Biffy Claro, Black Keys, um, Green Day, The Killers, My Chemical Romance. Um, the, yeah, they were on Guitar Hero 2. The Police. That's pretty, pretty much sure. the reason why I bought that game. <laughs> the Police, Message in a Bottle. Pretty sure that was really on it, but I, the old games, but I guess they... I question how we're going to play guitar to Skrillex. Is Skrillex going to be on there? Yeah, according to our article. Oh, okay. I see. So that's weird. Um, that is weird. Um, so yeah, it's a good mix. I guess, I think generally, if this is going to be their kind of, they're not going to try and splinter it again like they did with Band Hero and Guitar Hero, they'll kind of just go, you know, all out and be like, yeah, um, just have a good range of different songs. They're kind of mm. doing well. Um, but yeah, that's coming out end of the year. Um, I guess get your guitars ready if you want one. Um, yes. Yep. What a good thing. Yes. <laughs> and then, to um, close the episode, we will talk about, I guess, anybody who's been on the internet for the past week or so would not, have not not heard about this game. Um, I think it started... They've been teasing it for a while. They finally did the full reveal of it, put up a Kickstarter, and it's completely smashed. I think it's the fastest... Um, yeah, it's got the record for the yeah. fastest to hit goal and fastest to hit a lot of milestones, I yeah. believe. Yeah, so um, for people who don't know, the new the game is called Ukulele, um, spelt Y-O-O-K hyphen L-A-Y-L-E-E. So the first character oh, is I'd... named Yuka and the second character is named Laylee. I just love that because I've been teasing it as like hashtag Project Ukulele, like the instrument for so long, and I'm like, I, I guess it's going to be like a banjo, it's a ukulele, but yeah, the way that they... 
named the characters Yuka and Laylee is it's just amazing. I'm so surprised I love they're getting away with this to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically the it's people who don't know, Yuka Laylee is a new game. It's made by the team who named Platonic and they are actually mainly comprised of old rare team members if I'm correct. Like the major yeah, players, like, like the, the score the soundtrack designer, the designer, the yeah, they've got like David Wise and Grant Kirkhope on it, and I can't remember his name. It's Steve Moyens or Mayles, something, who was like I the think, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah the, he was like the character designer for everything from Donkey Kong Country up until yeah. So recently, if you ever played Banjo Kazooie or Banjo Tooie, there's a very good chance you enjoyed them because of the guys who were working on this game. Um, mm. It's basically a 3D platformer. You don't really find many of these games anymore. They don't really exist anymore. Um, yeah, apart from Nintendo, they're like the only ones that have been doing it in the last probably five years at least. Yeah, so um, much like Banjo and Kazooie, you have Yuka and Laylee. Yuka is a chameleon and Layla, Laylee sorry, um, is the bat. Um, each have their own special abilities. You can, can use the tongue as, like, use his tongue. His? I think it's a he. I think they actually specified that they haven't said, like, I think IGN went and said that it was, you know, Yuka is he and Laylee is she, but then they clarified, no, we haven't said that, just by the way. Oh, right. So it's a mystery. So Yuka can use um, their tongue <laughs> yes. as a grappling hook, and Laylee can fly for, and, you know, unleash a sonic blast. Um, so kind of similar, you know, to a bird and a bear, I guess, to a certain extent. Yeah. Like, their attacks probably will be similar. Um they were more or less designed by the same guys who designed Banjo and Kazooie, as well as the Kongs in Donkey Kong sixty four, and I guess the mm. country games. Really, I think yeah, pretty guys. much everything in like I think Diddy Kong even like like yeah, yeah like they created Diddy Kong, DK country, like, and Nintendo ran with that for God knows how long. Surely those those guys must be rich off royalties. <laughs> You'd hope so. <laughs> um, so thankfully, because the game has done so well in terms of like you know Kickstarter pledges and stuff, um, it's actually coming to PC, Mac, PlayStation Four, Xbox One, and Wii U. Um, I think Linux as well. I'm not. Yeah, um, yeah, Linux was on that list. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's all happening on all platforms on... on release day. Like they were previously saying that they would do you know the PC platforms to start with and then gradually work to consoles, but they yeah they hit a million pounds, so it's coming to everything day one. Yeah. Um pretty exciting like i i think that you know it looks just it looks you know when i played nuts and bolts and stuff which is for people who don't know the third banjo kazooie game that rare put out for 360 um it kind of looks the same as ukulele in terms of like the art style and stuff um Mm. but you know of course the there was a much different emphasis on like vehicular combat and construction and stuff um, yeah, in yeah. nuts and bolts, which is what kind of made it disappointing. Whereas this one is more or less like I don't want to say collector thong because that's kind of what we called Donkey Kong sixty four, and we didn't like Donkey Kong sixty four. Well, I, I think even they've said stuff like that. Like I've seen a lot of people, you know, tweeting and talking about it, saying, "Oh, this proves that people still want collector thongs," and that made me a little bit worried. I hope it's more than that, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's they're owning it. I think. Yeah. Um. I think that the the I guess I'm just quickly pulling up the Kickstarter page and stuff is you know they've really the worlds look amazing like it looks it feels and looks like a game that you would have played on your 64 you know how you remember a game on your 64 if yeah, that makes sense that's I think that's a very important yeah. part yeah it's how you remember Banjo and Kazooie like I think if looking... you went back to Banjo Kazooie now you would be like oh <laughs> it doesn't look like that but that's kind of how you remember it like what you could later mm. looks like now um 
I like it's got a great soundtrack behind it. I'm kind of, the only thing that you um like. I mean, I'm actually reading the thing now, and it says, you know, yes, we employ the man responsible for Donkey Kong 64's myriad of trinkets, but we've had a stern word with him. So I think they're <laughs> acknowledging that, you know, it's not... Um, that wasn't their strongest moment. Yeah, like, that they it was kind of shit, <laughs> the way that Donkey Kong did it. Like, there was over... Well, we worked it out. There's like five to 600 collectibles or something. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, so instead of, instead of Jiggies, you'll be collecting Pages. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. I love it. <laughs> Um, and one thing I really liked that I was talking to you before, Stephen, was the way that they kind of said, you know, that the like if you really like spending your time in, say, the jungle world, you can spend your pages that you've collected to build more of that world out, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, no, I hadn't hadn't read about that. That's kind of cool. So basically, um, you ex- as I said, experience more of the playgrounds you love by spending collectibles to expand your favorites into bigger, more challenging worlds. So if you really enjoy, you know, like the jungle world, you know, your collectibles and stuff will um, can be used to expand it, make it bigger and stuff. And I think that that's what really will hopefully separate it from, you know, the old games where it was just collect everything and get behind those gated areas, whereas mm. this feels more like, you know, kind of collect everything, expand your world if you want to, if not move to the next one. Like, it feels a little bit more, um, less superficial, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, really excited to see what kind of characters they come out with, because, you know, I mean, almost every character in Banjo-Kazooie that you came across, you kind of remember. Um... Even the presents with eyes. <laughs> yeah. The Christmas lights. Um, what about the, the crazy bird lady? <laughs> yes. Can- I, I just remember canary, having to canary, tap A and B ridiculously. It? Oh, maybe, I yeah. Think, um, and, yeah, it just looks it looks really, really cool. Um, and I just really hope that it's not just, you know, this kind... And as you kind of said yourself... Um, you kind of just hope that it's not going to just bank on nostalgia like 100%. Yeah, I, I worry that a lot of the Kickstarter is banking on nostalgia, like the music sound that they've released. It's probably work in progress, but it sounds straight out of Banjo-Kazooie and it worries me that they're banking that much on it. But that said, I'm sure that that's just part of, you know, reeling people in with the Kickstarter. And I'm sure that with, you know, almost hundred uh, yeah, almost 1.5 million pounds, I'm sure they've, they're going to do a lot more than just, you know, the things that you remember from Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. I'm excited to see who the bad guy is. Oh, Old yeah. Girl. Didn't even think about that. Yeah, I'm just, like, how quickly skimming it. And, you know, they've even they've even committed to doing, you know, there's going to be multiplayer modes, like four-player local ones as well. On um, um, the quiz. Yeah, like a quiz show just before the final <laughs> boss, just like in the old Banjo-Kazooie games. Really cool yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and they've even... With GK rap. <laughs> the GK rap is going to be a thing. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, really. Um... <laughs> And, I mean, if you have a look at the Kickstarter, I mean, I'm sure it doesn't need any more promotion, but I would have a look at it, because even the artwork for the Snow World, I don't know if you've seen it, looks really mm. cool. It really um, does, yeah. And I'd lo- I can't wait to see that, you know, actually in a game. Um, I really, really hope, like, their next stretch goal that they haven't hit at this moment, but they probably will by the time this comes out, is, like, orchestral music. And just, I was telling James before we started that, like, listening to the music from Nuts and Bolts, that was, it was definitely banjo music, but it just sounded so amazing because they could do, you know, real music instead of synthesized N64 stuff. And if they can do that again with this game, that could be amazing. Yeah. Um, 
I just really excited the more that I read about it because I didn't really pay much attention until you know you guys said to me, "Oh, look how cool this looks," and I was like, "Oh," and then I actually looked and it's amazing. Um, Estimated delivery October 2016. Got to keep the hype for two years. Oh wow! But that's not too really that far away. Oh, I don't know. It's it's not, but I guess it is. It's, it's over a year. Hopefully, we don't get saturated with hype between now and then. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think it's just a real, the, like this is I keep talking about this. But it's just really cool how like you know if you don't want to expand the world, you can just play through it like a normal game and finish mm. it. But if you want to expand them, you can. Um, really wondering, I w- wonder what the villain's going to be like. I guess we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I wonder if they'll be as iconic as Grunty. Oh, uh, here's hoping. It's probably something like Hell, like Bunty. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, as, as close. Oh, it as, could be something very as rude. Close, as, <laughs> close. <laughs> <Cunty. laughs> um, <laughs> It could probably. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I just noticed that one of the stretch goals was for an epic boss battle. I'm pretty surprised that that wasn't a thing already. Um, but yeah, pretty excited. Have you pledged? Did you pledge? I haven't pledged yet. Yeah, I... neither have I. Actually, like I wanted. If I can get, like, a cool physical collector's edition or something for a console, like, I'd probably go for it. You can get the 64-bit edition for only 535 US dollars. That's too much money. Um, it's <laughs> I, not even... I don't think it's even a playable one. You know, it's just a 64 cartridge they've kind of styled. Yeah, oh, it's just a 64 cartridge with, like, a USB port. Yeah. That's a lot of money for that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, they've put a lot of effort. It's got, like, a really cool N64-style box and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, they're all gone now. So, even if you have a spare half a thousand dollars... I'm so shocked, out, like, if you look luck. at the higher ones and stuff. Like, some people have bid $5,000 to voice characters. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of it's cool. Incredible. But at the same time, you know, you're just going to be burping or farting or making a... Because, <laughs> you know, people, if people don't know, like, the, the dialogue is going to be exactly like Banjo, I'm pretty sure. Like, just... Yeah. They'll just get you to say one word and then just chop it up forever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what voice that was. It's one of the fairies or something. Um, yeah, and like, you know, I'm actually surprised. Oh, nobody's gone for the VIP attendance for the orchestra, which is $8,000. But I think that was only recently put there. Oh, really? I might be wrong, but oh, okay. yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. Um I'm really excited to play it. I might, for people who don't know as well, like you can actually, um, if you pledge a certain amount, you actually get to play a little bit of the game early, I think, with like a toy box, which is basically, yeah. like, I guess, as you you would call it, a vertical slice, I guess, of the game, um, made just for backers. But I don't think I'll even go for that. I think I'd rather just stay blind. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I want, I feel like it doesn't need my pledge, and I don't know, I'll, I'll probably would buy it at, when it comes out anyway. I feel like it's like, better. I feel like at this point it's better for us to just, you know, buy it from them when it's done now. Mm. I mean, we're not being stingy. but No. But, like, it's freaking made. Like, they wanted £175,000. They're on £1.3 almost, or part beyond that. But, yeah, pretty excited to see how it turns out. I really hope it's a fun game to play. I just... I'm pretty sure it's made nearly, like, £50,000 in the time that we've recorded this podcast. <laughs> So yeah, I don't think they have any trouble. Yeah, really crazy though. Do you what? Do you, is there a reason you think that this has done so well, or is it because it is unprecedented? People just crave like they crave the things that they liked, and I guess the people. My theory is that the people that you know were 
young and played Banjo Kazooie and games like that. The N64 was their first or one of their first consoles. A lot of them are now, you know, they're going to have a lot of expendable money. They're, you know, hitting the age where they don't have all the responsibilities, but they can be working maybe. That's true, I guess. I guess those people who played and, you know, kind of fell in love with those games. Mm, uh, maybe that's where the $5,000 pledges are coming from. It's crazy. I just can't. Wow. <laughs> Some people have lots more money than us, I guess. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It's a thing. Ukulele. It's very exciting. It is, it is exciting. It is pretty far away, though. I've got to kind of just tap it, like, temper my excitement. <laughs> um, but I'm just pretty... It just, it just looked really cool. I'm really hoping that it turns out to play well as well. Um, I think them, just reading those comments that they've themselves have written about Donkey Kong 64 kind of makes me a bit more confident. Yeah, um, they're a bit sort of self-reflective. Uh, they know what... You know what worked and what didn't yeah. in the past. Um, just quickly before we stop, um, did you notice that they were in talk? Apparently, they're in talks with um, Nintendo for Amiibo support. Yeah, I saw that, and I didn't quite know what to make of it because I didn't think that third parties would be able to make Amiibo. But well, it's they're not saying like they, they can. never had third parties approach them for anything. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, the, what I was thinking is that, that maybe it'd just be their own like weird toys to life thing. But maybe, maybe it will be actual amiibo. I guess we'll find out in a year and a bit. Yeah, but I mean, more, I'm sure they've got enough time to do something. Yeah, true. It's pretty cool and that money. they want to do something, you know, kind of unique for Nintendo. Mm, yeah. Um, I guess that they're the team who worked with them <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. So you'd probably have some kind of attachment. Um, so that yeah, Ukulele is um, well more than funded and will be probably rele- yeah. is releasing sometime in October next year. Um, you can back it on Kickstarter if you wish, uh, but it's totally up to you. Um, and you can usually <laughs> get you know a free copy or something of the game by doing so. Um, I guess at this point, are they? Yeah, I guess they are paying for extra stuff. So the more it gets back, the more of a complete experience it becomes. I guess. Um, yeah, it's amazing they're just having to make new stretch goals because they keep meeting them in like a couple of days yeah um really cool but I'm really proud of the internet sometimes yeah, <laughs> um, you did good sometimes I'm really not <laughs> today I am <laughs> um so I guess we will go to a quick break and we'll return just to wrap up the episode And we're back. So, um, since the last episode, we may or may not have had a Xenoblade Chronicles 3D review up. But if we, if you didn't know that we did, now you do. Um, so, if you're interested to know how that game ca- carries up, well, carries up, carries handles, um, inter- it's like a car. Yep. Yeah, um, definitely check out the site. On top of that, Stephen also recently finished the first episode, I think, of The Fall, which is a. How would you describe it? Um, I describe it as like a a dark platformer crossed with a old school adventure game, like the sort of point and click item based puzzle adventure, except it's on a two D plane and you control a robot and yeah, it's it's really interesting. Yeah. Um so if you wanted to hear Steven's full more in 
detailed um, thoughts yeah. about the game. Be sure to check the website. The website? The site? Yeah. I hate saying website. I feel like an old person when I say that. We're from the 1990s. Be sure to check the site. Um, Go the to w- the www. Slash HTTP. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> www.vooks.net. It's like book, uh, books, but with a V. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like... There's also an I guess a kind of short kind of opinion piece that proves about Amiibo stock in Australia. Um, that I guess goes through lets you know that you know we're not really that bad in terms of Amiibo stock for some figures. Um, yeah, basically in the last week, every, nothing is rare anymore, or a whole bunch a of stuff of that was rare yeah. isn't. Some still are, but yeah, yeah, definitely give that a look on if you're you know don't want to waste time. Head down to your local Target or Kmart because they probably have some. <laughs> um, yeah, probably. But yeah, that's it for another fortnight. We'll be back in two weeks' time to talk about, I think, Kirby. Possibly. Yeah, that's... Um, Splatoon's not out by yeah, then. Yeah, Splatoon no. won't be out, but we'll talk about Kirby and maybe a few other games that we missed, hopefully. So, for now, we will bid you adieu. Adieu. <laughs> and we'll say goodbye for another two weeks, and hopefully we'll see everyone in a fortnight. Arrivederci. Bye. Bye.